0: If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to us, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Look for AZ Adopt Podcast.
1: Today, we're going to go back and revisit a topic that we talked about in the past, but it's a really important topic, and we've seen some new situations personally with our agency, and I really want to, you know, get the word out there, hopefully, so that we can, as an adoption community as um, a society, really eliminate this situation from happening as much as possible. And the more we as a society know about something, the more that we can do something about it and spread awareness. So today we're going to be talking about scams. Um, Unfortunately, in the adoption world, there are times where A birth mother does scam the adoptive family, the adoption agency, because she's looking for funding for herself. And, you know, it can range from a birth mother faking that she was pregnant all the way to working with multiple agencies or attorneys to a birth mother uh, working directly with just one agency, one family, and never having the intention to place her baby for adoption while leading the agency and the family along the way. So I wanted to focus on this today because I have gotten word that across the United States, agencies and attorneys have seen kind of an uptick in the, some of the adoption scams that are going on. So what I thought we would do is collectively kind of put out there what some of the latest ones are so that we can be more mindful of what's really going on out there. Because again, knowledge is power. And the way that we can disseminate this information is to educate others on what's really going on. That's so important. So I want to talk about some of the latest um, birth mother adoption scams that uh, we have heard about uh, in, out of the community. We have experienced, again, we can't talk about particulars because we don't want to um, violate anybody's confidence or share anybody's story without their permission. Right. So we're going to speak in, in vague generalities, but I want our listeners to hear what are the latest scams that we have seen or that we have heard about through other close adoption entities. Uh, one of the ones that has made its way around. I haven't seen this one in a few years to this degree, but is where they are coming in with with somebody else's urine who is pregnant. Okay. And when they go to the restroom to take the pregnancy test. They come out and they have the positive pregnancy test. Now, this, with our agency, we this would be flagged long before an, an adoptive family would come into play because we also mandate an ultrasound within the first week. So immediately, you know, this scam, we catch on very quickly. We have seen this, like I said, it, it, it seems to come in clusters. Like maybe we'll have a few intakes that we're concerned about and then, We have them get the ultrasounds and then we exit them from the program, obviously, if they're not pregnant and, and go forward from there. So we have seen this, but this is not one with our agency specifically that would ever impact an adoptive family. Because again, we do all of our due diligence on the front end, making sure she's pregnant, she has an ultrasound. We can confirm that there's a viable baby at that time. So that is one that I have seen kind of come around again, the pike. So we are on, on alerts for that. Another one that I, I haven't seen in a while and, you know, through the grapevine, I've been seeing this more and more where a birth mother will be working with an agency and a family. And then right around the time that she's supposed to deliver, she will fall off the grid, meaning, she ghosts. She goes MIA. And, you know, that's where we as adoption social workers have to try to locate her. There are things that birth mothers can do in the hospital to make sure that they are not found. And I don't really want to say those out loud because again, I don't want somebody who is Wanting to scam, listen to this podcast and, and pick up on some of those because some of these are challenging. Uh, there are things that, that can be done at the hospital to make it very difficult for us to know whether or not a birth mother is actually at the hospital. Even if you have uh, release of information and, and so forth, there are things that can be done that can make it very complicated to find out where a birth mother is and and what's going on with her situation. And so that is one, like I said, that has kind of um, risen. And I think it's important that we're addressing these in this podcast today, because when when COVID hit, we definitely saw this this big uh, decrease across the country with birth mothers, and they're wanting to place their baby for adoption. We all attributed it to the increase in social services and the monies as being dispersed by the government. However, that has since started to fade away some. And so we are seeing the the uprise again in in birth mothers. And unfortunately, with that uprise, we are also seeing uh, women that are not doing it for the best of, of reasons. And they have an ulterior
0: motive. It sounds like it's more cyclical than evolving. I mean, it just keeps coming back around different situations, but it's the same ones you've seen for years, right?
1: It it is. And again, they they always seem to be in clusters. Now, we will have birth mothers that come into the program and genuinely look at the baby and change their mind. That is not scamming. I want to make that really clear. Somebody could come in with the very best of intentions, but that's pretty obvious because, again, they're not trying to hide themselves at the hospital. They are, you know, talking with their adoption entity. They're reaching out. And when they genuinely change their mind, that is understandable. We're talking about a human being, a baby, a life. When some of the scams that we are are talking about, that we have heard about or encountered, this is forethought. This is somebody intentionally planning and wanting to deceive somebody else for a monetary gain or maybe some other gain, um, emotional gain maybe. But that is, that is, like I said, that hurts. I don't know if, if birth mothers realize that when they are scamming, you know, an adoption agency or an adoption attorney or an adoptive family, it's not just a monetary loss. We're talking about a huge emotional toll that is taken on an adoptive family. You know, their effort, time, resources of the adoption entity, whether it be an agency or an attorney as well, are utilized on that client when they would have been better served on a a different client who actually wants to proceed with with a legitimate adoption plan and plans and, and executes placing her baby for adoption.
0: Now we've talked in the past about how this is oftentimes due to these birth mothers just being in very desperate dire straits and they're in survival mode and they're not thinking about what's right and wrong and what's hurting anybody else. They're trying to survive. Is that what you're seeing still?
1: It is. It is definitely what I'm still seeing. And you know, everybody comes from their own walk of life and we haven't walked in somebody else's shoes. Mm-hmm. We don't know their, you know, the history behind them. Um, but I want to talk about a couple more scams oh, that we have seen. And, and then I want to talk about the positive of what I've also been seeing. And so there's, there's always two sides to every coin. And, you know, we're talking about the negatives with the scamming, but then, I want to talk about the, the birth mothers who have placed and recently and, and their stance on people that are yeah. So that's, that's what's coming up next. So going back to some other scams that we have seen are a birth mother being in a hospital and, you know, she starts to delay the process. You know, oh, I, I, wa- I don't want to sign that today. I want to sign that tomorrow. And in doing that, it's, it may be because she's still struggling with her decision, or maybe it's due to the fact that she wants this bill paid, or she wants to have, you know, crossover into the next week of where she is staying, or maybe, you know, she's just trying to get to a certain point so that financially it will be a gain. Uh, a, a birth mother who is is doing this wants to maintain the control because she doesn't have the intention of releasing it and placing a baby for adoption and so we're we we've, we've seen that we've you know other agencies have talked to me about what what they have seen with that and you know when you have a a birth mother who has made the decision and is scamming an adoption entity unfortunately they may have friends that see the benefits that she is reaping and may want to follow suit and so this can be a real problem in the adoption case.
0: Do you think that's why you get the clusters? Why it seems like... Sure. Okay, so one woman st- tries it and tells her friends or her friends see it and try and imitate it.
1: The other thing with that, though, is is as an adoption entity, you have to be very careful because we have had uh, women that... It was it was a very fine line as to whether they were scamming or whether they legitimately changed their mind. Mm -hmm. And they may have been in the program for four months and their best friends may also be in the program. And they've been in the program for a while as well. When when the first one uh, chooses to to parents or to place the baby um, in DCS. And you then obviously worry about the best friend. And I I have had the best friend's place where the first one did not. Uh, So again, you have to take each situation on its own. And you can't, you know, this is where you can't just blindly say, okay, well, she didn't go through with it. So now I think it would be more concerning if you had somebody who didn't place and then started referring people to that adoption entity. That's where you would just need to take some extra precautions and really make sure that that was in their, you know, their desire was to create an adoption plan and execute it. And again, that is the goal of every adoption entity is to help women who want to place their baby for adoption do so and assist them with services throughout the process. Unfortunately, there are people out there who do take advantage of the system. So as we just talked about, you know, a birth mother who is trying to, you know, drag the process out of the hospital and thereby maintain control because she doesn't plan on placing the baby. But then um, what often happens is the adoption entity will then turn to the adoptive family and say, how would you like us to proceed? you know, would you like us to, um, you know, back off a little bit and give her some time? And it's hard because as an adoptive family, you're definitely faced with the loss aversion theory. You know, I've already put this much into it. What's another day? What's another two days? What's another three days? And so that can be very taxing emotionally, financially
0: on an adoptive family. Well, that makes a lot of sense, the loss aversion. Um, Now, what can you as an agency do to as much as possible mitigate these instances of scams?
1: Well, with the hospital situations, um, we as an agency, and I I can only speak for our agency, have quite a bit of, we have quite a few relationships with uh, the hospital social workers in the hospitals. And so when the hospital social worker, when we have to alert them that there is an issue with a pending adoption, they will often go in as an independent and talk with them and see where they're going. And that will help guide us as to, you know, does she want us to legitimately back off for a while and give her some time? Or is she, you know, walking into a hospital and not telling anybody that she's doing an adoption? And when the social worker comes in to speak with her, she acts surprised. Like she didn't, she doesn't know what she's talking about and, and so forth. Um, When I had spoken earlier about a birth mother that goes into a hospital and, you know, tries to hide her identity there um, or the fact that she is at that hospital. You know, when you have a mom that is working with a doctor's office the whole time and then at the end, due to no fault of her own, goes to a different hospital because the ambulance takes her, that's one thing. But when you have a mom that is, you know, planning on going to hospital X and then winds up clear across the valley in hospital C, mm-hmm. then that's, that's cause for concern. And there is no end to the empathy and heartache that we as an agency have to walk these adoptive families through. There's no easy words. There's no easy answers Mm -hmm. there. You know, it's, it's so hard and we know that it's so hard. And as we've talked about in other podcasts, talking to the adoptive family and trying to give them as much information is I really feel like one of the best things that we can do because people want answers. You know, when you've been wronged, when you've been violated, when you've, you know, had something taken from you, you want answers. You want to know why, why did this happen? Why did you do this to me? And without those answers, many people can't find closure and without closure they can't find peace.
0: What stage of, of the uh, adoption process do more of these women come in? Do they come in early? the ones that are planning on scamming or are they later into their adoption or uh, into their pregnancy?
1: I would say it is absolutely across the the gamut of, yes, because it depends on the type of scam that they're doing. Okay. And so obviously if you have a woman that comes in and she is saying that she is six months pregnant and she's using somebody else's pregnancy urine, uh, she is, is not going to look six months pregnant. And that's not going to match up. So that wouldn't be a scam somebody further along would use. You know, if she is working with different entities and, you know, collecting funds from three, four or five different families or different adoption entities, agencies, attorneys, uh, she may do that at any point in her pregnancy.
0: How do you find out if she's working with other adoption agencies?
1: Unfortunately, there is not a general registry. There should be. Um, I think that would be so much better and safer if that was made a law that there that you could register a birth mother on, you know, an entity, but that's not allowed. Um, there are uh, Yahoo scam boards and some agencies will put up if if they are being scammed by a birth mother during a pregnancy or if she's working with multiple entities, uh, they will put Uh, information up that is um, non-identifying but in a way that people know enough to like flag this individual
0: right to keep an eye out for somebody
1: right with Um, these characteristics Um, and again depending on what state you're in is whether or not that's allowed but birth mothers will if they are truly scamming and wanting to get as much as possible, they will cross state lines with their matches wow. in terms of whether they're working with an agency or an attorney. And so that's really important to, you know, to gather the information. I think what is so hard is that adoption scams are one of the things that give adoptions a black eye. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that is so disheartening because when you're trying to to build your family and, you know, as we've talked about, some families have one shot to to adopt and to have a child and to be taken advantage of and basically essentially have money stolen from you. That's awful. And that's, that's terrible. And it, it's preying on people when they're at one of their most vulnerable moments. And so it's really important. You know, I know that we, during our intake process as an agency, we really try to look for for red flags right at the intake. And I also meet with birth mothers um, that come into the agency Hmm. um, within the first week or two just to make sure that I don't, you know, see something that maybe one of the intake workers didn't see, you know, a fresh set of eyes. We also have them go to the adoption counselor at one point during the pregnancy, which is an independent adoption counselor so that she also can look at them with, with fresh eyes. And it's not that an intake worker couldn't catch something. It's just you know when somebody like me who's done this for seventeen years, you know i I can still have the world pulled over my eyes, mm-hmm. um, but maybe not every time and so people say, "Well, do you exit people from the program?" and I tell them all the time
0: now when it comes to the intakes, when they're asking the questions, obviously they're looking for certain visual cues and the way they respond to certain things but are there without telling me what they are are there questions on the intake that help you to kind of look for those red flags in particular
1: i don't i wouldn't say that there are questions on the intake what i would say is is that you know you're really looking for consistent information okay. and you're really looking to make sure that the facts add up you know, mm-hmm. does this make sense? Is, is this, in, does this match with the whole, because when you look at somebody and you're gathering all the information, it's like a puzzle and you need all of the pieces to fit. And when you have situations, like for instance, um, I can give you some examples. So a woman comes in and says at her intake, yes, um, my boyfriend is the birth father and he does live with me and I don't know his last name. Well, how long have you lived with him? Well, I've lived with him for about two years and mm-hmm. you don't know his last name. No.
0: Hmm. Right. No. And it's things so, like that, that just don't add up. Right.
1: Right. And so at that point we would stop the intake most likely. And I would step in and you know what I mean? Talk with her and let her know what this process is and why it's so important to disclose information because we're building a sacred trust. Mm-hmm. Like we understand that she's coming in. She doesn't know who we are. And, Sometimes it's just women that are afraid to trust you and and divulge the information. And sometimes it is somebody who is trying to pull a fast one. And so that's where you have to go in with a trained eye and, and give her that opportunity to say, okay, I wasn't comfortable disclosing it, but this is what it is. Yeah. And when that's clarified and then everything else makes sense, then we still you know, kind of keep an eye on it, but it, it's less concerning. And if we have somebody who says, you know, I don't know his last name okay, then, you know, obviously continuing with them in our program is not something that we would want to do because of the fact that you, you know, if you've been dating somebody for a few years or, or what have you, and they live with you, more than likely you're going to know their last name. So I think that, again, it's, it's putting all, all of these pieces together. And right now, you know, we're talking about the bad side of, of, of birth moms, and there's also bad sides to adoptive families, and every, you know, there's always a bad side to every entity. Mm-hmm. But the good side on, on birth mothers with regards to scamming is you may have somebody who who knows somebody else in the program, and one of them may have had their baby and scammed, and then another one may have had their baby in place or vice versa. I will often find ninety five percent of the time when one birth mother knows another birth mother and the birth mother who placed will often be furious with the birth mother who didn't mm-hmm. and is very almost hyper-defensive of her decision. And it, it really messes with that because they see the love that the adoptive family showers on the baby. And they can only imagine how devastated that family would have been mm. had they not placed the baby for adoption and so it is so refreshing i think it's the right word to to talk with uh, obviously we can't disclose to another birth mother um, whether or not somebody else is placed because that's confidential information. Mm-hmm. And they know that. They know that we won't discuss somebody else. But when they come in and they say, I know this happened and we just listen and it's because it's, you can't confirm or deny anything. And so listening to it is it is, like I said, it's like a breath of fresh air because those that have become part of the adoption triad, whether it's the adoptive family or the birth mother or the adoptee, you become part of this this club per se, and you are fiercely defensive of it and protective of it. And you don't want somebody that is intentionally trying to harm a member of that triad. You have a birth mother that you may have have wondered, is she going to place? Is she going to place? And she places, and then her friend doesn't place. And you watch that birth mother bloom. And when she takes a stand... For her adoption choice. It is literally the same as watching a flower bloom.
0: If you're pregnant and considering adoption, we are here for you and understand what you're going through. We've helped hundreds of women place their babies for adoption and we want to help you as well. We have a pregnancy crisis hotline available 24 7 by phone or text at 623 695 4112. Or you can reach us on our toll-free number at 1-800-340-9665. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get you to a safe place, provide food and clothing, and help you get started on creating an Arizona adoption plan, or just give you more information. Check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by looking for AZ Adopt Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to us. Birth Mother Matters and Adoption was written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me. Thanks go out to Grapes for letting us use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Join us next time on Birth Mother Matters and Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Raines, and we'll see you then.